afternoon. Rejoice in the Lord. Amen. Oh, bless the Lord, all my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. From the rising of the sun till the going down of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. For the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous shall run. Amen. I am so excited to be in the house of the Lord and to feel what I feel in this house. Uh, how the Holy Ghost is moving and uh, in such an astounding way. As I uh, entered here, uh, it was in the midst of service and, I, and, and it felt good. There's a couple of changes. Organs on that side now and the pastors on that side now. That was kind of, kind of, kind of weird for me, but, uh, uh, but the church looks good, and there's a special anointing and spirit that's in this place, and uh, and and that's always so, so powerful. Amen. It actually looks like you guys have grown some since the last time I've been here, and uh, and that's always always exciting, uh, and uh, I you know. Uh, several times I've been here, I've been promising you that my wife is the most spectacular, most beautiful woman that you can ever, ever lay eyes on. Uh, and if there's any man that would say amen to that, we're going to have some problems. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but I, I, I thought I'd, I'd kind of prove that point to you by bringing her along with me. Uh, this afternoon, and my sons are with me. Uh, Caleb's seven years old. Uh, he's single, uh, and uh, and so is Cambria. And we're, <laughs> but we are we are very excited about uh, Caleb, and then Micah as well. Uh, he's four years old, and he's with us. And then I'm going to ask my wife to come, and she's going to greet you guys, and uh, perhaps delight the Lord in song and as we all join in with her in worship. So uh, give us a second. I think I've got to play with her. I've got to know what she's singing and all that. Would you greet, greet each other? Say, tell, say hi to somebody. Do something for 30 seconds. few months ago and uh, and I have enjoyed them so much whenever we get together yesterday I had a steak that changed my life forever <laughs> at the Browns house and I will be returning hopefully <laughs> soon 
I think I just sucked on it until it disintegrated. <laughs> but anyway, I'm so happy to be here. Um, I've heard very good things about this place, and I know that I feel God so strongly. Um, you know that feeling when you're on the verge of tears, and if anyone dares to ask you if you're okay, you're just going to burst out crying? Well, that's how I feel right now. I'm trying to hold it together so I can sing and you can understand me, <laughs> but I feel God so strongly here, and I am so blessed to be able to have that privilege to feel him um, and he's been dealing with me lately on the ups and downs in my walk with God and the things that he holds my finances my family my children my emotions my relationships um, all these things God is in it God is in everything I do. And after serving him so long, you get into this routine where you try to fix it yourself, but it doesn't work that way. My heart is fixed on you. My heart is fixed on you, and I can't see the problem anymore because I want true peace in my life. And that's what the song is about today. Worship with me, please.
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Would you worship him for just a moment? God, let us know your power in quietness and trust, Jesus. In quietness and trust, Jesus, Lord. That is our desire, God, that we would see you and not the obstacles around us, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> sometimes, sometimes uh, we're so preoccupied with life that we forget to just be still and know that he is God. Uh, we get so preoccupied with trying to help God be God that uh, we, forget, we forget sometimes that God is in control. He's in control of my life. He's in control of my ups and downs. And it's in those moments, in those moments while we're going through the valley that we forget what God told us on our mountaintop. It's in those moments while we're going through darkness that we forget what God told us in the light. When everything was all right, he said, I am God, and you believed him. But we don't believe him when the storms and the oceans rise against us and the tide turns against us. And it's in those moments that we have to stand and be still and know that the God that promised is able and faithful uh, to come through for us. In today's, today's service, I'd like for you, uh, y you can't, you don't have to turn there, and, and I'll tell you the reason why. Uh, it's because uh, I'm, I'm going to be using a version which I don't ever recommend you use, ever. Uh, but it's going to be really good for uh, our purposes here for this sermon because uh, in it is a word that I was looking for, and the way it, it kind of explains this verse, it's uh, pretty powerful. But uh, Psalm 101 and verse 6, you don't have to look at it because it won't make sense in the King James Version. Uh, but uh, in the Living Bible, the Living Bible is a paraphrase of, of the Greek for our time. And it, it's a horrible one, so don't, don't read it. But the Living Bible, <laughs> for our purposes today, that's, that's the version that I will read here. Uh, and, and I'm just going to get a, a little little thought out of that. In Psalm 101 and verse 6, and towards the end of that verse, uh, the, the little phrase that I would like to pay attention to in the Living Bible, it kind of goes like this. I will make the godly of the land my heroes. I will make the godly of the land my heroes. And so today I'd just like to talk to you for the next several minutes on God's qualifications of a hero. 
What does God call a hero? God's definition of a hero. Father, we bless you. We pray that your word would become life, that the seed of your word would bring forth much fruit, that we may understand it, and then that we may put it to practice. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The dictionary defines the word hero as a man of distinguished courage or ability, and then it says he is admired for his brave deeds and his noble qualities. And in, in most cases, the dictionary is the proper authority when defining a word. H however, the common perception of what a hero is in today's day has forced that word hero to evolve into a different meaning. Because most of today's heroes are not honored for their distinguished courage, their brave deeds, or their noble qualities. As a matter of fact, when you think of that word hero, oftentimes the thought that comes to mind is someone who is wealthy or someone who is renowned or someone who has spectacular ability or talent or is in the public eye. Those, my friends, are heroes in today's society. But the truth is that what most people in our society call a hero is the very definition of a celebrity. Because a celebrity is a person who is in the public eye. A celebrity is oftentimes wealthy and is extremely popular. Many times, a celebrity does not obtain celebrity status because of good deeds or noble qualities or because of distinguished courage or ability, but because he or she has been thrust onto a public stage, whether positively or negatively, it, it is irrelevant at times. It does not matter. As long as they are public, as long as they are become popular at some point they're called a celebrity and many times we confuse the two and instead of celebrity we call them our heroes needless to say in view of the proper definition of the word hero the word hero has been significantly abused in today's society because not everyone that's called a hero deserves to be called a hero now, Fred Smith, the CEO of FedEx, he wrote in a book and he, and he says it this way. He says, heroes are the personification of our values. Then he says, he, heroes, they are the embodiment of our highest ideals. Then he says, they are the stars that guide us upward. A society writes its diary by naming its heroes. Friend, in view of those statements, I'd like you to consider this. World Almanac asked 2,000 eighth graders to name their hero, to name their hero. Now, remember what Fred Smith said about heroes. They are the personification of our ideals. They are the embodiment of our highest values. He said that they are the stars that guide us upward in a society, writes its diary or its day-to-day -day behavior uh, can be uh, attributed to whom they call a hero. So heroes have a very important place in society as in general. And, and in view of those statements, I want you to consider this. When World Almanac contacted 2,000 eighth graders and, and they said, we want you to name your heroes. And not surprisingly, every single kid they interviewed out of the 2,000 eighth graders named either an entertainer or an athlete as their hero an entertainer or an athlete as their hero uh, uh, friend let me tell you something if heroes are the personification of our ideals 
And heroes are the embodiment of our highest values. And if society's day-to-day behavior is a direct consequence of whom they choose as their heroes, then can I tell you, we as a society are in utmost trouble when most of our children and our young people are naming celebrities and athletes and entertainers as their heroes. Do you know what they're saying? They're saying those are the embodiment of our highest values. What they are saying is those are the stars that guide us upwards. And our diaries are going to be written by whom we choose as our heroes. What can be said of a society when the heroes are the like of someone named Britney Spears? Listen to what Drew Pinsky wrote about her from cute preteen to highly sexualized teen pop star to indecent exhibitionist and paparazzi magnet. She is often traded on her sexuality to capture attention. At 17, her naughty schoolgirl look and provocative lyrics made her a platinum recording artist with the best selling single of the year. By the time she was 21, Forbes magazine named her the most powerful celebrity in the world. But her career was derailed by allegations of drug and alcohol abuse, unsuccessful visits to rehab, volatile relationships, and outright bizarre behavior. Five havoc-filled years later, a very public breakdown landed her in a psychiatric hospital and cost her the custody of her children. And can I tell you, those are the type of people, I can go on, I've got, I've got reviews and biographies of, of each of these so-called heroes here. I can read to you the kind of lifestyles that these so-called heroes are living and our children are watching and our children are emulating and our children are copying these people they call their heroes these are the so-called heroes that are currently shaping our society's values and then we ask the question why are we living in such perilous times why is it that our kids are deteriorating their values are deteriorating by the minute why well, 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 well why is it that our children are backsliding why is it that it seems like our children are being drawn to let me tell you something if you ever wanted to know the answers to these questions you must look no further than the music that your children listen to on their iPods you must look no further than the books they have on their shelves you must look no further than the type of cartoons and the stuff that they watch on television and on the internet it are those things that are causing them to choose their heroes and these are the stars that guide us upwards when they choose them as their heroes they will try to emulate these people they will try to have these people shape their values in the way we think we must look no further and i've got to preach to somebody today and tell you that sometimes the problem does not lie with our children sometimes the problem lies with us do you know why i'll tell you why because what we say and what we do are two very distinct things 
And many times we will go before our children and tell them, listen, I want you to know, son or daughter, that God is number one in this house. And we understand that and we want to put those values into them. And you know your children are listening and they go, okay, God is number one. However, what we say has to match what we do because our children will look at what you or hear what you say. But then they will look at your behavior and say, well, that is the manifestation of what she is saying and if he is saying God is number one why is it that when we get to church we get to church 30 minutes late we sit in the back we fold our arms there's nothing wrong with sitting in the back but what I'm saying is that's that's usually where we sit because we get there late and then we we, we chew on gum and, and she'll go out to the restroom five times she won't listen to what the message is saying she won't worship when they say worship she won't when they say clap your hands she won't they're singing she's not singing she's looking around and my father's wondering when's when's this service going to be over because the Lakers game just started and I just don't know what's going on and, and so what your children are looking at uh, does not match what they're hearing and the problem becomes uh, when then we go to the house and we've got the Lakers game recorded and and and, and 30 minutes before you ever put the game on uh, you've got families from outside that are sitting in your living room and your children are going wait we never bring families to the church because you know we don't have contact with other families but we've got all sorts of families in our living room and 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 wait a second what what about this stuff I saw daddy he his arms were folded when he was at church but but now that the Lakers game is going on look at him go the guacamole is ready and the carne asada is ready and the grill is going and he's got his jersey on and he loses his voice at the game and I see mother and mother can't make it to church on time but God forbid that she should lose any episode of Grey's Anatomy I just don't understand what's going on they say God is number one but something else is number one in our lives and the problem lies with us submit to you that there's a big difference between a celebrity and a true hero I submit to you that if we are going to see society's values make us shift towards the better we need some young men and some young women that are taught in these last days that heroes must be chosen not based on their talent their popularity their wealth their looks but based on their integrity and their character and their internal fortitude heroes are picked on based on what's on the outs inside rather than what's on the outside and what's the difference between a celebrity and a hero i'll tell you what the difference is celebrities make a big splash celebrities are on the cover of magazines they're in the gossip section of every paper they're often talked about on tv and radio programs and they usually cause a great commotion when they're out in public celebrities that's what they do but heroes they they don't cause great commotions when they're out in public a true hero doesn't make a big splash he makes a big difference you see celebrities 
celebrities are all about their image while a hero's all about his character celebrities they love to be served but heroes they love to serve celebrities they love to be heard but heroes love to listen celebrities they talk to talk heroes walk to walk celebrities they save people from boredom but heroes they just save people celebrities they're in it for notoriety and for money but heroes are in it for love and compassion celebrities they gain from the sacrifice of other people but heroes they sacrifice so that other people may gain that's what heroes do so the real question is what are we teaching our children that heroes are and i've noticed in the last in the last i'd say in in, in the last decade or so that that this this concept the philosophy ha, has been shifted over to our children because even our young men and women coming up now they have such a celebrity philosophy about even christianity it's it, it, it's powerful even even our young men i mean you know when you hear when you hear music groups in the church talking about well we're we should just not sing because our name wasn't in the flyer you understand what i'm saying our name wasn't on that website and we were there for, they asked us first and we're not going to sing because we didn't get asked first and they, they just canceled and we're just, you know, substitutes and that's all they want us for. And then we forget the point for why we're here in the first place. Somebody's got to sit with these children and say, hey, listen, listen, that's not the point. Who cares if your name is on the website? Who cares if your name is ever on the flyer? That's not what you're out there to do. Somebody has got to get to them and say, we're not celebrities. There's no Pentecostal divas in our church. We've got to make this about true heroes that would say, Pastor, I don't have to sing, but can I clean? I don't have to preach, but what can I do after the service is over? How can I help? You don't ever have to mention my name. How can I give? How can I labor? I want to work because that's what true heroes do. Heroes are not celebrities. Heroes, they do it. And they don't need the limelight to do it. Bless the name of the Lord. I, I've got to hurry on. L listen, did you know that what our society calls a hero and what God calls a hero are two very but very different things? Because the psalmist said, I will make the godly of the land my heroes. He didn't say the wealthy. He didn't say the popular. He didn't say the talented or the strong. He didn't say if they drive a Bentley or live in Beverly Hills or Malibu, the boo. <laughs> then I'll make them my heroes. That's not what he said. He said, I'll make them my heroes if they live godly. His sole requirement was that the person that would become his hero would be godly. Can I tell you, that still ought to be our qualifications when we choose our heroes, godliness. In other words, what David was saying is, if you want to be a hero, be godly. If you want to choose a hero, choose a godly person. Nothing else and nothing less will do. Godly people are heroes. You may not have a mansion on top of a hill. You may not be driving a new German car sitting in your driveway or have a personal jet or a private social club membership. But if you want to make the short list on David's list of heroes, you must live a godly life. And 
to be godly literally means to be God-like. To be God-like. According to Webster, to be godly is to live in obedience to God's commands. In other words, be a doer of the word, not just a listener, but a doer of the word you want a definition for a true biblical hero here it goes a hero is a man or a woman who practices what god preaches a hero lives in obedience to god's commands and that's who we need to train our children to follow that's who we need to train our children to emulate and to copy these are the men now i'm 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 one of the greatest sports fans you will ever ever see uh, in all of pentecost and my children are two i i i absolutely well at least one of them uh, uh i absolutely love uh uh my children because they will they will i mean they'll know uh they'll we can talk sports we can talk sports openly and 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 even at seven years old caleb uh, he knows stuff that i never knew at his age and 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 i'm, I'm proud of him but he also knows he also knows that I would give any of that up. It means absolutely nothing to me because there is something that is greater than anything else that sports has got to offer. And we need to teach our children that God is really number one in word and in deed. God is number one. Listen. Since David was the guy that said, I'll make the godly of the land my heroes, uh, I would like to bring up three guys, and, and we'll probably not even get to the second or the third. Don't be nervous. Uh, uh, but, we, but, but I'd like to bring up three guys that were David's personal heroes. And, and again, in the Living Bible, don't ever read it, but in the Living Bible... In the Living Bible, I don't know how it showed up on my screen that day, but... In the, in the Living Bible, uh, in 2 Samuel 23, this is the way it goes. It says, these are the three most heroic men in David's army. These are the three most heroic men in David's army. So there were three heroes in David's army. So I'd like to look at their lives and some stuff that they did. And maybe we can, we can get from them or glean from them uh, a lesson that we can ourselves practice and, and to become heroes and to show our children whom to emulate as a hero when they see these qualities these are heroes now number one of the heroic men in david's armies uh, is a guy named josheb josheb and and this is what the bible says about josheb the bible says he lifted up his spear against 800 men whom he slew at one time he lifted up his spear against 800 men whom he slew at one time. Now, let, let me tell you something. It just in case you don't know, uh, because, you know, that's, some people just don't know. I'm a big man. I'm a, uh, some people would call it ginormous, but I, I choose not to go that route. But uh <laughs> I, I, I was once listening to a football game, and the announcer said <clears throat> of uh, Brandon Jacobs, uh, he goes uh, to the other guy, he, he goes, and here is the running back for the New York Giants, Brandon Jacobs, a mammoth of a beast. And he said, 6'4", 260 pounds. And I was thinking to myself, okay, I'm 6'4", <laughs> and I'm 260 pounds. Uh, he said, if you saw him in a dark alley someday, you better run. <laughs> 
hide your children from this man. Uh, anyway, I'm a big man. And, uh, and, and hence, hence the fact that that's why I married a 5'2 petite lady. I did uh, I did my children a favor, but uh, I, I'm a big man. If you come at me, if you come at me, and, and if you want to fight me, make sure you're above five six, five seven, preferably for you six three. Just make sure, make sure if you're going to come at me that you're above that height, simply because I might step on your head by mistake. I might just. So just make sure that you're about that height. Look, if, if there are two of you coming at me, if two of you decide that you need to come at me, uh, again, uh, you know, it's two, so I, I understand. But make sure you have a certain level of strength and dexterity and even skill because I, I've been known, uh, well, back when I wasn't all the way sanctified. Bless the Lord. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, anyway, but if three men come at me, if three men come at me, I don't care how big or small you are. You better believe I am out. I am running and I am running as fast as I can. It does not matter how big or tall or, or, or Leviathan I am. I, it does not matter how big I am. I am going to run. Now, can you imagine if 800 men are coming at you? What is going to be your first desire? You're going to run. What is your natural instinct? I mean, if three guys are coming at me, I'm going to run. And if 800 men are coming at me, what am I going to do? I'm going to run. So there is one thing we can learn from this guy that made him a hero. You want to know what it was? This is it. He was committed to the fight even when circumstances seemed impossible to overcome. And, 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 and this is the other thing I've got to tell you. This is what made him a hero. He did not commit to the fight when the 800 men showed up because naturally you don't commit to a fight when 800 men show up. You know what makes a hero? You commit to the fight before the 800 men show up. Joseph made commitments to his leader David to his God and to his fellow soldiers. And he said, I want you guys to know that come hell or high water, thick or thin, sink or swim, it doesn't matter what comes out. I'm going to stand in there and I'm going to fight. Guess what? When Joseph made that commitment, he made that commitment thinking, you know, I'm a great warrior. Maybe one guy's going to come at me and I'm going to kill him. And maybe two guys are going to come at me, man. And I know, I know dexterity. I know the skill of the sword and I'm going to kill it. And, and maybe three, four, five guys. I can do, I can do five guys, man. I, whoo, I'm ready. And with a, you know, two red bulls, I can do 10. But guess what? All of a sudden, he, he wasn't thinking 800 men were going to show up. You know what happened? All of his teammates left. 
here's a battle and all of his teammates left and they left him all by himself against 800 men. He didn't think ever that he was going to be facing 800 men by himself. But guess what? Joshua was so committed to his leader, to his God, and to his teammates that he said, I'm going to fulfill my commitments even if it seems that the fight is impossible to overcome. And he stayed in there and he fought. And what are you going to do now, Joseph, when all of your teammates leave you and the circumstances change and now it gets really difficult and nobody will blame you if you decide to quit. No one will blame you if you decide to run. No one will blame you if you decide to leave. You know what Joseph said? I know all I've got is a spear. I know all I've got is a little sword. I know I have no help. I know no one else will come to my aid. But I've made a commitment to David. I made a commitment to my soldiers I made a commitment to my God that come what may I was going to stick in this thing and I was going to fight some of us would have given up some of us would have turned in the towel some of us would have waved the white flag some of us would have been justified in the fact that we would have turned back and said circumstances change but Joseph said no I'm going to stick by my commitments and I'm going to fight this fight uh, even when the circumstances seem impossible to overcome uh, all hell's gonna come against me uh, everything uh, that's against me will come against me uh, the winds are gonna rage uh, the storms are gonna come uh, but guess what David uh, I'm either gonna die uh, or I'm gonna kill somebody uh, but I'm not gonna quit uh, I'm gonna get hurt that's the truth uh, I may not make it out of here alive yeah go tell my children somebody I love them to death but I've got to keep my commitments I've got to stay in this thing I've got to fight I may die in the process but I've got to fight until this thing is done because I've made commitments that will not allow me to quit even when the circumstances change I've made commitments to this fight. Whew. You see, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Real heroes make great commitments before the battle ever gets there. That will help them stay there when the battle begins to rage. This is what Roy Disney said. This is what Roy Disney said. He said, it is not hard to make tough decisions when you know what your principles are. When you know what your values are, it is not hard to make tough decisions. You know what he was saying? Most people wait till the tough decisions come along. And then they decide, well, how should we see this? How, how should we look at this? But Roy Disney said, wait, no, -uh. real heroes, you know what they do? They write down their principles. They know where they stand in their values. And then when the tough decisions come along, it won't be so hard because they'll say, okay, mm, that will hurt. But you know what? I'm going to stick by my principles. This is what we're choosing. 
So when do you make a commitment to your principles? You make the commitment to your principles before you ever get into the tough decision. You understand what I'm saying? The commitment to your principle does not take place when the tough decision arrives. The commitment, because when the tough decision arrives, naturally you're going to want to run. You're going to want to take the easy road out. That's what you're going to want to do. You make commitments to your principles before the valley of decision comes along. And when you are committed to those core values, you will look back and say, you know what? This is my core value. Therefore, this is what I will choose. And that's what Joseph did. Joseph said, when I made a commitment to my principles that I would not quit, I wasn't thinking that 800 men were going to show up, but 800 men did show up. But guess what? I am so committed to the principles that I will not quit. I'm not a quitter. I'm a fighter. Whoa, can I, can I bring it down to our level? Let me tell you what real heroes do. Real heroes make great commitments to their marriages. Hear this. Before the 800 men show up. Because if you would be honest enough here in this house, 800 men show up. daily. No, 800 men show up countless times throughout your marriage. And that's why, you know what real heroes do? They don't wait until the 800 men show up. They make commitments before the 800 men show up. You understand what I'm saying? That's why young men come to me all the time now. And they ask me questions like, what should be the most important aspect of, you know, when you choose a mate? And then you ask, well, what is it for you? Well, guess what the first one is? Looks. Are you serious? Looks? I mean, don't do as I did. Just do as I say. I know I've got a trophy wife. However, you don't have to have one. <laughs> but, but are you serious? Looks? Looks? Don't you realize? Dude, don't you realize? She may look really good right now. And you're really proud of that woman. And, you know, every time you come in the church and you see her walking down the next aisle and here she is. Pfft, pfft, pfft. Uh, and you're walking down that next aisle. You're still not married, but you're looking over at all the guys. Just, oh, look at look at Sister Purdy. <laughs> huh? and, and you're and you're looking over at him like. That's my woman. Yeah. She's over here looking like, like Tyra Banks now. But buddy, in 10 years, she won't be looking like Tyra Banks. 10 years, she's looking more like Medea. <laughs> That's why you don't pick a spouse based on how they look. You know why? 
because circumstances will change. From time to circumstances will change. And then what are you going to do? If you pick someone based on looks, more than likely you'll want to stay with that someone based on those same looks. The only thing that's certain in this world, well, several things are certain, but one of them is change. Change happens. And what's going to happen on the day you finally wake up and realize, whoa! What's going to happen then? Guess what? 800 men just showed up. And she ate them. <laughs> 800 men just showed up. What are you going to do then? You know what real heroes do. Real heroes take a spear in one hand little herbal life in the next <laughs> real heroes they take a spear in one hand and they said you know what girl you're as beautiful to me as the day I met you we are in this thing together we're going to fight this thing 800 men just showed up but we're going to fight this thing somebody asked me I have a little group that I mentors couple, couple young men and they asked me this question they said uh Hey, bro, you know, you're, you're a fairly young man, you know, early 20s. What, what are you going to... You're a fer, fairly young man, and, and uh, your ministry is... is uh, you have a ministry, and you have two children and all. And um, what, what are you going to do? Let's just say, hypothetically, your woman gets in an accident, and uh, she becomes a living vegetable, and she gets sent home, and now you've got to take care of your wife forever, and... And, bro, let's just be honest. You've got needs. You know, I don't know what, what they meant by that. But they just, <laughs> you've, you've got needs that you need to take care of. And, and plus, your children. And what are you going to do? You mean to tell me that's, buddy, that is the easiest question I've ever had to answer in my life. Do you know why? Because I made commitments to my principles before the battle ever gets here. Do you know what those commitments were? When I stood before that man, that man in Hawaii, I said, till death do us part in sickness or in health. I will stand and I will take care of this woman. I said, I do. I made commitments before God, before the men, before witnesses. I made commitments to that woman. I made commitments to her family. I made commitments to my family. I made commitments to God himself. And I committed to those things before the battle ever got there. So if I've got to roll that little lady into the church in her little wheelchair and she doesn't even know who, who, who I am or where she is or what's going on and little spit coming out her mouth, guess what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to take me a little handkerchief. I'm going to say, come on, baby, pay attention. This was your favorite song. Come on, come on, girl. Come on, girl. Look at me. Oh, baby, look at those nice hazel eyes. Look at you, girl. 
huh? That's what I'm going to do. You know what I'm going to do personally? I'm going to sit her in my living room and say, the very first time that I saw your brown eyes, your lips said hello, and I said hi. I knew right then you were the one. And she's going to look at me and then not know, not know what's going on in my life. But guess what? I've made commitments that will not allow me to quit when circumstances change. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm going to give you one, and, and I'm a little hesitant because this is a tough issue. However, it is the word of God. True heroes don't look to give up on their spouses at the very first sign of infidelity. That's a tough one. And I realize 800 men show up. I realize that. But let me tell you something. You can't expect 800 men to show up and you not to get hurt. You're going to get hurt. Sometimes you may not even make it out alive. But true heroes make commitments. Let, let me say that. Let me say this. There are. The Bible does not necessarily condemn you for doing so. I'm not saying that that's not within your legal rights and your even moral rights to do. You can do it in some instances. You can do stuff like that. That's not what I'm saying. But what you can do and what you ought to do are two different things. And there are situations where it's absolutely necessary. I'm not going to get into that. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that there's people that are looking for the very first way out of their situation. At the very first sign. Girl, when you see that guy look at that next woman, you say, Well, the Lord said, if you look at the pawn of woman. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? You know what true heroes do? True heroes say, this one's tough, baby. You hurt me. 800 men showed up. I may die because of this, but I've made commitments. And you know what that commitment says? You're stuck to me. We're going to go to pastor. We're going to find a place of prayer. We're going to retreat. We're going to try to, we're, we're going to tend to this garden. There's been some stuff that perhaps I, I have, I myself have not been fulfilling in you that has caused you to go out. I, I need to forgive. Let's forgive each other. That's what true heroes do. You know why? Let me tell you why true heroes do that. Because how can you quit at the very first sign of trouble and then tell your children you need to finish school? But dad, I just don't get it. I don't understand. I don't have the capacity. It doesn't matter. You make commitments. You have, you're a human. You need to finish school. How can you do that? And then stand up there and not fulfill your commitments. You know what I'm saying? And that's why heroes commit before 800 men show up. Man, I've got to move to that next topic. 
me tell you something else. I'm not going to get to the two other guys, so don't, don't get worried. But I, I do have a word for somebody here. Listen, let me tell you something else. True heroes commit to their local church. True heroes commit to their local church. And true heroes commit to their pastor. You know, I've preached this kind of stuff other places, and people will come to me afterwards and go, whoa, you are, you are a godsend. I mean, I don't know how you knew this. You are a true prophet in the truest sense of the word. And I go, be, be, before you keep on, uh, I don't mean it. I mean, I, I know I'm great. But before you keep, <laughs> before you keep going, uh, uh, I, I'm not a prophet. I'm not the son of a prophet. I didn't feel any mystical, you know, revelation about this church and what it's going through. No. Do you know the reason whenever I talk about making commitments to a church and all that stuff and people go, whoa, do you know why? It's because every church goes through issues. Every single church, there's not one church that won't. Every church from time to time will go to a place where 800 men show up. Everything may be peachy for some time and then all of a sudden a rumor comes out or a family's disgruntled or somebody said something about somebody else or somebody did something over here to a key family or some other family. You know, stuff like that will happen at every single church. And that's why you may crucify me after this service, but I've got to say something. That's why I don't believe in church hopping. And I don't believe in church hoppers who are all the time looking for the next place that they need to go to because this is the place that's going to, because this and this and that happen. And this, listen up, honey, you're going to go to the next church. And for the first two to three months, you're going to have your honeymoon. And you're going to think that that pastor is absolutely the brightest pastor you've ever had. And that that church is the most awesome church I've ever been to. And you feel the Holy ghost and everything is just so special at this church. But the fact of the matter, when the honeymoon is over, guess what 800 men are going to file in the battlefield 800 men will show up you know why I've got to reveal a very deep secret to you and not very many people are are, are, are very are, are you know privy to this type of information and death analysis let me tell you why because churches are composed of this one thing. I don't know if you've heard it before. It's, it's a pretty profound thing. It's called humans. And the, next, the very next time that you want to get to a perfect church, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to your restroom and look at yourself in the mirror. The next time you want a perfect church, go to the restroom, look at yourself in the mirror and begin to ask yourself some questions. These are the questions I want to I want you to ask yourself. Am I perfect? Do I greet every single person after church? 
have I never said anything about anyone at the church that was negative or may offend someone if they ever heard about it? Have I always been honest with all my tithe giving? Have I never ever made comments about the past? You know, you start asking yourself these questions and if you can answer all these questions perfectly and you think, then I need you to do something else. Go to the internet and go find yourself an incorporation for $100, $99.99. You can incorporate your own church and make sure you call it the perfect church. The perfect church. And I promise you one thing, it will just be you at that perfect church and perhaps those kids that are terrified of you. You make commitments to your church. You make commitments to your pastor. Th this is my th rule of thumb. This is, this is me. There, first of all, there is not one person in the world that can come into my life to talk to me about my pastor without me going to my pastor directly. You cannot come into my living room to talk negatively about my pastor because I've made commitments. Does it mean my pastor is perfect? Far from it. Does it mean that my pastor doesn't do any wrong? Far from it. But you cannot make those type of assertions about my pastor without me making sure I go to him. And I'll never forget, this, this just happened about maybe three, four months ago. There is a guy that called me up and talked to me about my pastor for about an hour and a half. And I listened. I didn't say a word. I listened to everything he had to say. And I said, bro, uh, let me tell you something. I hope this doesn't put a, a deal after I said, are you done? He said, yeah. I said, I hope this doesn't put anything on our relationship, but I am... I am now uh, responsible. I've got to go to my pastor and I've got to tell him exactly what you just said. And I went over to my pastor and I told him every single word. You know why? Because before 800 men show up, I've made commitments to my principles. Listen, the Holy Ghost wants to help somebody here today. Wants to help somebody today. You have got to make commitments to your principles. This is my rule of thumb. If any rumor ever circulates about my pastor, guess what's going to happen? Me, personally, I'll go to my pastor and this is the question I'll ask him. This rumor is going on. Is it true? Yes or no? If my, the man of God says no, then guess what? It's a no. You don't have to qualify it. You don't have to explain it to me. I will believe you because the Bible never commands me to question the man of God. The Bible just commands me to submit to the man of God. It is not my job to know whether he's right or wrong. My job is to submit to his authority. If the man of God lied to me, I would hate to be him when he has to give an account before the Lord. I don't ever want to be him because you lied to me. But guess what? That's the man that feeds me. 
That's the man that prays over me and my children and my soul. That's the man that God has placed in my life to help me conform to Christ's image. That's the man. And guess what I'm going to do? My job is to obey and to listen and to make commitments to him and this local body of believers. That will say, come what may. We may have to fight sometimes. That's all right. We're family. After you're done scratching my face all up, just make sure you kiss it. That's what families do. They stick together. And they will fight together. And they make commitments to each other. I, I want you to, I, I've got, look, there's about four more hours of this stuff right here. But, I, but, I, but I've got to somehow try to bring this to this close. But I want to help somebody here today. And, and I'm just going to tell you a couple of commitments that I've made in my personal life. And, and I wish that I would have done this a long time ago because it would have saved me a whole lot of heartache. And I hope that somehow the Holy Ghost brought me here to preach to you on this subject so that it could help somebody. All right. Now, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to tell you some personal commitments that I've made. I sat down, literally sat down and in one of my notebooks down in the office, in my office, I've got my core, my personal core values. I've got them written down and I wish I would have done this a long time ago because it would have saved me a whole lot of heartache and trouble. I wrote down my personal principles that I will let my principles guide my life by. And I wrote them down because I made a commitment. I remember writing them down in the, uh, in the, uh, upstairs table. What do you call that? The eating, the dining room. When I made that commitment on that dining table, and I remember writing it down. There was no one at home. I remember writing those things down. And I remember weeping like a child and making a commitment over these principles. And I told God, God, I'm going to let my life be ruled by these core values. You want to hear some of these core values? I'll, I'll give you about two, three, and then we're done. Listen, core value number one for me personally, it's this or or just one that I'm sharing with. It's not number one on my list, but the one that I'm sharing with you. Uh, my wife's word has more value than my children's word. Because before my children ever got there, my wife was already there. And my commitment, first and foremost, is to my wife, my spouse, than it is to my children. I've heard of men that have daughters who would oftentimes call, call them their queens. That's not your queen. Your daughter's not your queen. Your wife is your queen. And that's, that's my commitment. So what happens when my boys, my boys know that. As a matter of fact, my boys fight when I tell them this. My boys will look at me and say, that's wrong, daddy. <laughs> what happens when my boys and both my boys who are daddy's boys, no matter what is being said f from that side, both my boys are daddy's boys. Don't believe anything my wife will tell you. <clears throat> And what's going to happen on the day my boys come up to me and say, Daddy, 
can we have gum? And I'll go, uh, did you ask mom? Yeah. What did she say? No. You guys don't understand it. My boys, especially Caleb, have a way of absolutely melting their dad like you will never understand. My son Caleb has a way with his eyes and then his voice, the tone of his voice. When he'll come to me and just be like, Daddy. And there's something about that. That will absolutely, your, you know, your thoughts are like, son, what do you want here? A million dollars just here. <laughs> take it. Keys to my car. Just take it. Take it. I give myself away. <laughs> that's, what, that's, that's, that's what my son will do to me. But you know what I have to do sometimes? You have to stand there and go, son, if your mother said no, then why do you ever come to me? Don't you know we're on the same same team? And sometimes you got to deal with your son looking at you. His eyes get all watery. Didn't get that little quiver in his lips. <laughs> you got to look back at him and he'll say, okay, daddy. And then he'll turn around and go to his room crying and then I'll turn around <laughs> and go to my room <laughs> crying but because I've made commitments to my principles I will not forsake those commitments to my principles you want to know one more here goes I'll give you one more this, this is a personal commitment I've made I will not live I will not live outside of my monthly budget. I will not live outside of my monthly budget. You don't even understand how many times I want to walk into that new car dealership. There's, there's, I, I don't know if you understand it, but there's something about a Nissan Armada that drives me absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. And you don't understand how many times throughout the week that I'll go online just if for some reason, just if for some reason God just dropped $40,000 on my lap, just if he was just gracious enough to do that, you know, that I would be able to do it. And sometimes I'll go online and just look at the pictures <laughs> and just dream. Others eat Oreos. So, so guess what happens? I've made commitments that I will not live past my monthly budget. Had I made these commitments years ago, that would have saved me a whole lot of heartache and possibly for a lot of you. So what happens when I'm at the mall and I'm walking around with my girlfriend and you know my bank account and my budget, monthly budget, is saying you have $26.23. 23 
Those are the times you walk to a bank and you ask the teller beforehand to write down your balance on the paper and pass it to you. Because for some reason, they like to show out whenever you have $30 or below that on your balance. They're like, sir, you now have $23. And you're looking around going, gosh, come on, girl. And, and, and you know your budget is telling you you can't do it. And then you walk around the Hugo Boss store. And there goes that black pinstripe double vented suit calling your name. Going, hey, big boy. <laughs> That's right. And you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, you cannot afford that thing. However, do you know that clothes will speak to you? And do you know that it will, I mean, they will talk to you. And I've had a suit once tell me, it told me, it said, Don't you know district conference is coming right around the corner? <laughs> and they saw you wearing that suit for the last three years. <laughs> and it, they will actually convince you that you need to purchase that thing. And your budget is going, no, 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 no. And, but then there's another voice. There's another voice, and it's called Sister Visa. <laughs> and she'll call your name. You know what Sister Visa says? Sister Visa starts singing, says, there is room. On this card for it. And if you don't make commitments to your principles, you'll walk around the mall and 800 men will show up. And when the 800 men show up, they'll go, hey, 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 listen. I, I realize, I, I realize that you make commitments, however circumstances have changed you know what true heroes do true heroes say but I've made commitments and I'll stick to those commitments I'm going to be done with this one David said my heart is fixed you remember that? when did he say my heart is fixed if you would read the inscription of that psalm the Bible said this was a psalm of David while he was in the cave fleeing from Saul. And Saul walked into his cave. How many remember that? When Saul goes into his cave. And what did his own men say? David's own men said, I mean, the man is after David to kill him. And, and Saul didn't know that David was already in the cave. And Saul goes into the cave to lay down to sleep while David is in the cave in the back. And David's men are looking over going, oh, thank you, Jesus. He said, God has delivered your enemy to you. He's delivered your enemy. Here he is. You know what David said? David said, I will not lay hands on the man of God. And you know what he wrote? He said, my heart.